0: It was because I had the experience from New York from 2018. That was my feeling when I got to the starting line in New York. That because that was my first world major as a as an elite, and it was terrifying. Like being in the warm-up area um, and on the bus with Shalane and Des and you know, Molly Huddle and everybody that you idolize you idolize. I watched Shalane win the 2017 New York race on TV and I was blown away. And then the next year being in the same race as her was terrifying. And that was a moment I would had such an imposter syndrome that, that year. Cause I just thought, what am I doing here? And then when I was leading that race, it was terrifying because I was like, why am I leading this race? Like I don't belong here. I was looking around wondering if I had gotten lost on the course. Um, cause it was just such a surreal experience. And so since I had that, I, took that experience and then worked that whole entire rest of the next year leading up to trials, knowing that I belonged there.
1: Welcome to the Feel Good Running Podcast, where our goal is to keep you motivated, inspired and energized. As a runner, or perhaps you are looking for the right motivation to become one, you've definitely found the right place. We share inspirational stories from real runners, motivating running-related information, and much more to help you feel good about your running. And now your host and a longtime feel-good runner himself, Jim Lynch.
2: Hi, runners, and welcome to episode number 27. My name is Jim Lynch. This is my podcast, Feel Good Running. I'd like to welcome you to it. And welcome to Summer 2020. What a different summer this is. I don't know about you, but I always look at Memorial Day weekend as the official start to summer, even though summer doesn't officially start till somewhere around June 21st as far as the official season. But I'm really excited because I'm having my best running month since February of 2018. Now, that's by design because I flipped over and I was putting on a lot of races, so my running suffered. But now that I'm here in Denver, I'm able to run more, and I'm so enjoying it. And, you know, the uh, coronavirus stay-at-home thing that's been going on, well, that helps out as far as focusing more on running. And what about you? I really hope your running's going well also, and you're really keeping up with it, motivated, out there, getting it done. Really important during this time. Um, you know, the last couple of episodes, I've been talking a lot about COVID-19 and how it's affected the running world and the races that were canceled or going to be canceled. And of course, if you wear a mask or a buff while running or not, you know what, runners, I don't want to talk about it this episode. I think I've exhausted that conversation the past few episodes and I need a break and probably so do you. So it's time to lighten it up and have some fun. I want a fun episode, and that's what I'm going to bring to you today. My guest is nothing short of amazing, and she's such a wonderful human being. She's known as the funny runner, and we'll talk about that and all that all came about in our conversation. She is also a very fast runner. Actually, she's an elite runner. Her name is Brittany Charbonneau. She's from right here in Denver, Colorado. And on February 29th of this year, she took 13th place overall at the 2020 U.S. Women's Olympic Marathon Trials in Atlanta, Georgia. We're going to get into that in a little bit. You're going to love her. She's She really is. She's a sweetheart. And my conversation with her was not only a lot of fun, but it was very inspirational. You're going to get a lot out of it. So that's coming up in just a little bit. All right, folks, I know that you get a lot of emails The last thing you need is another email, but you are a runner and I have a newsletter that's going to come out every two weeks, very condensed, very easy read. And I would like to invite you to subscribe to my newsletter. So you can do that over at feelgoodrunning.com. Now, I wouldn't do that without giving you something. And what we developed, Kathleen, who helps me out, she's based in Maui. She's helped me out for a long time when I lived there. Uh, She helped me a lot with the Wednesday night running group and other things. And she's helped me with this. She created the 101 plus running related links. It's a long project that she worked on. And uh, this is all at your fingertips. 101 running related links links and what are they well you got running apps got a bunch of running podcasts besides feel good running there's a lot of good ones out there that you can choose from running publications and blogs running shoes apparel and gear these are links to all of this stuff and uh, online training programs you got some of those in there too and running travel and just a bunch of other running resources right at your fingertips and if you sign up for my newsletter you get that immediately free No charge, all put together by Kathleen. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, last episode, I talked about the Virtual Colorado Trail Challenge, and I'm getting ready to do it. Starts June 1st, goes through September 3rd. You have 95 days to finish up 500 miles. You can do it solo, or you can do it as a two-person relay. I'm doing it as a two-person relay. Got myself a friend, and we're gonna split up the miles through the summer. I'm looking forward to that. It's actually a very inexpensive event and you get a shirt, a really cool shirt. And it also goes, the money goes to support the Colorado Trail Foundation and the COVID-19 Heroes Fund. You can find out more information by listening to my last episode or going to the show notes. There's links there. And those are the show notes from the last episode, not this one here. Or you can go to ultrasignup.com for more information and to register. Think about it. It would be a fun goal throughout the summer, something you could try to achieve. Okay, runners, as listeners, I really like your feedback. And on the Feel Good Running website, if you go to contact page, you can tell us your story. You know, the Feel Good Running podcast is for the everyday runner like you and me. And all of our stories are important. And I'd certainly like to hear yours. The first one is from Val Shockley, and she's from right here in Denver, Colorado. And she wrote, my first 5K was in Washington Park in Denver. I placed third in my age group and was hooked. I thought anything over a 10K was insane until I met my friend, Dave Bell. Dave Bell, by the way, is a story, and I'm going to have him on very soon on Feel Good Running for an episode. Anyways, she said... We ran our first half marathon in Las Vegas. Three years later, I ran my first marathon at the California International. My favorite marathon experiences are Boston and Flying Monkey in Tennessee. Half marathons and trail runs are my favorite events. I'm currently working my way running a half in all 50 states and 10 Canadian provinces. Thank you, Val. I appreciate it. You know, looking at her story, she started off with a 5K, and now she's trying to do all 50 states, a half marathon in all 50 states, plus the Canadian provinces. That's a nice progression, and it shows that Val really loves running. And it shows that Val is pretty fast because she ran Boston. How about that? The second post that I got just this last week was very simple. Actually, I don't think you can get any more simple than what she wrote. Her name is Eileen, and she said, no story, just a happy runner. Can you get any more simple than that? Well, thank you, Eileen. I appreciate you listening to the Feel Good Running podcast. And also, Val, thank you for listening and your story. And if you would like to share your story, Just go to feelgoodrunning.com, go to the contact section, and type in your story. Okay, let's keep on pace here. It's time for this episode's amazing guest.
1: And now it's time to welcome this episode's very special running
2: guest. Hey, runners, it's time for our very special guest. And you're really going to enjoy her. You know, my podcast is for everyday runners, for us runners that run to stay healthy, to get a little faster, to enjoy the fresh air and outdoors, and really just appreciate all the benefits that running can bring to our lives. In my very first episode, I said my guests will have a story, something that they can share that might inspire you, the listener. And I also said that I would not bring on an elite runner just to talk about their accomplishments, but what I would like to talk to them about is what they give back to our sport and to you, the runner. Now, my guest this episode is Brittany Charbonneau, and she is the funny runner, but she's also an elite runner and gives back to the everyday runner. You know, everybody can relate to her. She has an infectious personality. She is very motivated, very focused, And though she is extremely serious about her running, she makes running fun, and she's also a youth coach. Now, it wasn't long ago, Brittany was an everyday runner, but she has this incredible gift and she's using it to the fullest. As I mentioned earlier, she came in 13th overall in the 2020 U.S. Olympic Women's Team Marathon Trials, which was held in Atlanta on February 29th. And she had a time at two hours and 33 minutes and 52 seconds. She was 13th out of 390 finishers. She's been the female winner of the 2019 Marine Corps Marathon in D.C., the 2017 Kansas City Marathon winner, and in 2017, the marathon that changed everything for her. She was a female winner and course record holder right here in Denver, Colorado at the Colfax Marathon. She even won the 2019 Leadville Heavy Half Marathon Trail Race. That was her introduction to trail running. And there are other wins and amazing performances at other races. Brittany is a rising star in the running world. And no doubt she's going to be one of the top female runners that we're all going to know her name soon. And when you read about her in articles or you see her being interviewed, no doubt she's going to incorporate humor into it and just make it fun. So now I would like you to enjoy my conversation with the original funny runner and very delightful person, Brittany Charbonneau. I call you, after I looked at everything uh, that I found about you, I call you the hexagon woman. And the reason is, is that there's kind of six points of you. You are a wife, a comedian, an actor, a dirty penny collector, a running coach, and you dabble a little bit into the running thing.
0: Just a little bit, just a tad into the running side.
2: Yeah, I know it's not you know not really your top thing, and you know you haven't done a lot in running. But, uh, anyways, how did you get the the title of funny runner?
0: So I was working, um, gosh, it's about three years ago now. I was working at OtterBox, the cell phone case company. They're local here in Colorado, and I was working in sales and marketing there, and just doing a normal job. But I had that just nagging in my, I feel like in my soul, that was just like, this is not what you're supposed to be doing. And I knew that I wanted to run. I knew that I wanted to pursue some sort of acting or comedy at the time. And, um, I had a passion in both and I had just finished a local, uh, improv competition here in Denver called Denver's next improv star. I had just won the Colfax marathon and those in my mind were grounds to quit my job which looking back, they were completely not grounds to quit. You're not supporting
2: job. yourself on the penny thing.
0: No, that like, I, <laughs> yeah, that's probably like $20 a year. Yeah, And, um, it's so funny actually that you bring this up because I thought about it this morning on my run that I, I remember the day that I called my mom and told her that I was, that I had quit. Like I was quitting my job. Like it was already like I told my boss and I said, I'm, I'm done. Or, I'm going to be done in a couple of months. And so once I quit my job, I needed to figure out what I was going to do. And I needed to put a name to what I was doing just for my own sake. When people say, what do you do for a living? I wanted to say just a quick thing that would catch of what I, what I do. Um, and so I just deemed myself the funny runner and it was almost the piece of faking it till you make it and just putting yourself out there as this is who I am, even if, you know, you think that you aren't. And so I just decided to call myself the funny runner and um, it stuck. And then it just became kind of my job description.
2: Oh, man, it's working for you. I Thanks. mean, it's a it's great. And, and what I like about about you is that you are and, and we'll get into your accomplishments, which are phenomenal. But um, you, you take running seriously, but you don't take it seriously. And I think that's really awesome, especially for people that are everyday runners. They can look at you and, yeah, you have a a very wonderful gift, you know, that you've been been given being an elite runner. But you also are humble and you really, you know, being a running coach also, you really inspire the regular runner like me.
0: That means a lot because it really wasn't very long ago that I was a quote unquote regular runner. I mean, I've only been pursuing this elite running and this elite dream in the past couple of years before that I was a very average runner. And so it just means a lot because I saw the elite runners out there that I just idolized. And I think in my head, I thought I could never do that because they do take it so seriously and it's so intense. And then when I made the leap to run pro, it was intense and it was, a lot and I tried to do it that way and it didn't work. Yeah. And so I knew I just had to shift it because I was like, I'm doing this because I love it and I want to keep the fun in it because this is not a have to. It's right. a get to.
2: It's a get to, right. So you going back way back, you started running around thirteen years old. You were doing cross country and track in high school and then you went to CSU and you were doing that. But um you never really run won a race you never got a medal for anything or whatever and uh tell me tell me how you just decided you liked running. I think you mentioned or I saw that your dream was to be an Olympic gymnast. Yeah. But then you transitioned into running. How what, what was that that what happened to get you to that point?
0: Yeah, so it was the 1996 Olympics in Georgia in Atlanta that I watched. This was the first Olympics that I remember watching. And I was eight years old. I saw the Olympic gymnast. That was when the US team took gold that year. That was when Carrie Strug landed that crazy dismount off the vault. And I was so inspired that I immediately was in my backyard practicing on this janky piece of wood. That was my balance beam. And I was doing these routines in the backyard. And I just like desperately wanted to be this Olympic gymnast. Um, but I, it was an expensive sport and just never pursued it. And um, so that was kind of like it lasted a couple of summers. And then I got as I got a little bit older, it was my 8th grade year. Everybody was joining cross-country and track. And it was just kind of the social thing to do. And so that's what I did and um, just joined that and was decent at the mile. And so my coaches encouraged me to join cross-country in the fall in high school. And I just kind of fell into running. I was decent at it. I really enjoyed... The sport because it was so individual, yet we were still part of a team. So I loved that, that I didn't have to rely on other people necessarily for my own performance, but yet I was still, my performance still mattered to the whole group. And I also found, as I'm sure so many people do, that it was this amazing moment of I found my weirdos. You know, like runners are a weird breed of people. Oh, they and, can
2: be. Yes, I agree with that a thousand percent.
0: Yeah. And it also takes so much discipline and, uh, just it's just a different breed of people, but I loved everybody that was a part of it. So that was kind of where I started to fall in love with running because I wasn't an amazing runner at that time. And so I just fell in love with the sport as a whole, and the community and just, you know, being in shape and just being able to run. I just love running.
2: So after, after uh, CSU and there was a a long gap until you won your first marathon, but also probably until you really became into a distance runner, what did you do in between all that time?
0: Um, I'll tell you the truth. I partied.
2: (laughs) Yay. All right.
0: (laughs) So I went to college. I was up at CSU in Fort Collins. And because I wasn't a this amazingly accomplished high school runner, I didn't think that there was any way that I could run in college. Like that was just so far out of my realm of possibilities in my brain. So I did the, uh, I did the partying for a couple of years, my first two years of college, but, and I ran maybe five Ks every once in a while, just to kind of try and keep in shape as much as I could. And then it was later at the end of college that I walked on to CSU's cross country and track teams and ran my last two years of college as a walk-on, which was, which was great. And then kind of took a little bit of a break. It wasn't too long after I graduated that I started that I ran my first marathon and loved the training, loved that longer distance piece running for me is such a moving meditation that I think that's where I really fell in love with the marathon distance. And I just kind of kept doing that every like was training here and there was never like amazing again. And then, um, I was living in Chicago at the time and decided I was going to try to win this half marathon because my times were right in, right in the ballpark of this, of the winning times from the year before. So I just set a small goal to win this local half marathon in Chicago. And I did. And that gave me the confidence to then set my goals to try and win the Colfax marathon the next year here in Denver because I was moving back to Denver and it's kind of just snowballed from there.
2: Yeah. I, I, and I made a mistake earlier. I said CSU in Boulder was actually Fort Collins that you were at. Go Rams! Yeah. So let's, let's talk about you. I think you said, first of all, your first marathon was Colorado marathon, right? Yep. Interestingly, interestingly, that was my 100th marathon. No kidding. I did, came back to Colorado from Hawaii and a friend of mine, Eddie Riegert, was one of the owners of the race. And I wanted to do it and I liked it because it was a downhill, yep. uh, mostly downhill. Yep. And uh, I would run. I don't know if you've ever been to Hawaii, but there's a, a volcano called Haleakala. And I would go to the top of that and I would run down to get my downhill training. But that was my 100th marathon.
0: What year
2: did you run it? 2014 was it. I think you did 2012. Uh, okay. was
0: 2012. Yeah. yeah,
2: you did 2012. So I'm going to, if we can cue up the choir, I'm going to talk about your races and some of the accomplishments that you did. So you just sit back and listen to the choir <laughs> as I, I talk about uh, some of your races. Now, some people are probably saying, who is this woman, this funny runner? Well, I'm going to start it off. And when I say this, they're going to say, Whoa. You ran just right when this whole COVID 19 stuff, coronavirus was starting. You were in Atlanta and you ran the uh, 2020 US Olympic trials for the women and you came in 13th.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Freaking
2: amazing. Thank you. It's amazing. We'll get back to that. But your time was uh, two hours, 33 minutes, and 13 seconds, which apparently was a PR for you, too, right?
0: Three minute PR on that course. Yeah.
2: Yes. Um, amazing. Amazing. So, going back, let's jump back. I'm not going to get much into the half marathon. I'm just kind of do the marathons. You did Colorado, your first marathon in three hours and 33 minutes. You did Boston. That was your qualifier for Boston, right? Barely. Barely. Well, yeah, I mean, you still did it. And then you ran Boston in 2013 and you were 122nd overall and you busted the three hour mark at 256. No, that was
0: not in
2: Boston. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) 327.48. I'm sorry. That was what you did there. And then you went to the Chicago Marathon in 2015 and you did a three hour marathon. And then Long Beach is when you busted the three hour mark. Yep. And that was in 2016, and you were the third overall wo- woman there, and uh, that was 2:56:16, and that leads up to uh, your glory run, which you right here in Denver, the Colfax Marathon that you won. You're the female winner, and still hold the course record at yeah. two hours and uh, fifty-two minutes and fifty seconds. I ran, you know, a lot of these. I ran. I've run. Chica- uh, I ran all of these so far. Wow. Even Long Beach, I ran. Um, And then I ran this next one, which I hated this marathon, especially second mile was Kansas City because the second mile has that friggin' long hill.
0: Right, I know, (laughs) all the hills, I did not expect that.
2: Why did they do that at the second mile? That was very cruel of them. I know they started at the Hallmark Center, but but you were uh, the female winner in that race too and seventh overall at a 251.32. Then you did the... uh, I think you did the LA marathon and, mm-hmm. uh, that was for the, uh, Olympic trials and, uh, the a standard qualification, beating it by two minutes. And, uh, your time was two thirty six twenty five. 25, man, you are fast. Um, <laughs> did it bother you to have your uh, name spelled wrong on the bib?
0: No, it was hilarious. <laughs> uh, cause it wasn't long after I had gotten married. So it was a new last name. Um, And I was, it was the first time that I ran pro. And so it was the first time that I even had my name on my bib. And it was just so funny because any of these moments, like I've had so many of those types of moments, especially with my name for whatever reason, and it's all just kind of fuel for making the funny out of it.
2: Right. And I I had to go back because your, your maiden name was Lee, right? Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, then you went to the New York city marathon in 2018 and uh, you're the seventeenth woman, tenth American, two thirty six thirty five. It's kind of amazing how you uh, did two races within ten seconds of each other, time wise. Crazy, isn't that crazy? Yeah. And then you went and ran the Marine Corps Marathon, ran that one too, and you won the female division with a two forty four forty seven. That's not an easy race. It's kind of flat, but it's still there's some tough parts of that course. And then that led you up to the uh, 2020 Olympic trials. And you were supposed to run London, but you had a um, semi-injury about three weeks before and you decided not to run it, Correct. Um, yeah. which we'll get to that because I think you said something about it was a, an amazing thing for you not to be able to run that. You learned a lot from it. So let me ask you, how, how did you go from going from a regular marathon runner to elite? How did that flip for you?
0: I've thought about this a lot because it seems like it was just this switch. And for me, it was kind of the moment that for me, I just always come back to Colfax. That race for me is so special because obviously it was here in Denver. I'm born and raised um, here in Denver. And it was that race that I set the goal. I trained for it the whole time. And I just believed in myself Believed that I could do it and then I did it, and that was kind of all it took for me to realize, like, I can do this. And then I just kind of kept working. I right after Colfax, so I ran the Kansas City Marathon later that fall, and I felt all this pressure to perform as well again and then hit the Olympic trials qualification and that race was a bust. Like I had just a terrible time there. Um, yeah. But again, I just shifted again, and then that spring I came back and had a 15 minute PR at the LA marathon and hit the A standard for the Olympic trials. And both of those, I think, within that whole year, looking back, those were two moments that I just did the things that I just never let myself believe I could do ever. Right. I just thought as a regular runner in my head, that's what I had told myself was that I was just a regular runner and then I was proving myself wrong. And so I then started to let the, let the ceiling open up. And I just like told myself, like, I, you, you said that you said to yourself, you didn't think you would ever be able to do this and you proved yourself wrong twice. So why are you putting a cap on anything? And that's where I'm at now, you know, with, my, I mean, my goal is to come back to trials in four years and make the team. And that right now, it kind of feels like that scary stretch again. But looking back on my performances and my just belief in myself, I, I know that that's what I can do. And um, so I think it's just over time, it's been building the, that small little belief factor, just one tiny little step at a time and believing that I can do these big things and then not being afraid to put the work in to get after it. So um, it's like a long time in the making, but then there are these kind of pivotal moments in my career that I can point to and say, yep, I know that that was a moment that I was starting to believe in myself more and just kind of accomplishing more and just letting myself be a risk taker. I think.
2: How does it? How does it work? Where you get to become an elite? What's the process of that? Do you have to sign <laughs> up for it like a racer?
0: <laughs> Here's the thing. I have. I have no idea. So I'm winging all of it. And it's the other piece too. Of uh, it's kind of like being the funny runner. It's just saying it honestly for me. It's. Um, I don't know if there is like this formal process that you become an elite runner. I just was like, well, I'm doing the work, I'm racing in the, in the elite fields. So yeah, I'm a pro and I am like a sponsored runner and I'm putting all the work in. So yeah, I'm a runner. And it's the same thing of like a regular or a beginner runner, for example, right? Like I hear all the time people say that I'm not a runner and because they're not doing X amount of miles or they're not running X pace. It doesn't matter. Like if you're putting your shoes on, if you're doing the work, you're a runner in my mind. And so it was the same thing for me of owning that I'm racing in the elite field this is what I'm doing and I don't know how it works like I had just reached out to the LA Marathon and the New York Marathon and London the London race director I found on LinkedIn and I kind of like hunted him down and just like asked if I could run elite in their like run in their elite field and I said here's my times and it was funny the um I had reached out to the New York race director before I ran LA and I said can I please run in the elite field in New York and on, at this time I had no idea how Elite, it was. And he said, like, your times aren't quite fast enough. If you can run X time, like, and kind of prove that you can be consistent at this pace, I'll let you in. And it was, I was like, okay, great. That's all I have to do is just get faster. And so that's when I threw down that 236 in LA. Yeah. And it was next, right after I had gotten back from that race, I emailed him again and said, okay, here's my time. Can I please run elite in your race? And he was like, I saw this. This is hilarious. And yeah, you can run in it. So, i have just kind of taken this like scrappy approach of just like asking and then just not being afraid to just see if i can get in and then just being able to put in the work and show up and race elite so i don't know how it normally works
2: <laughs> well you got on television for a little bit you were uh, running with the uh, top women for a bit yeah i love that true. picture that i saw with you pointing to the screen on that you know it's it's really um it's it's so wonderful to watch. It seems like the last 3 years women have really stepped up. American women have really stepped up with marathoning. In 2017, you had Shalane win the New York City Marathon. I think everybody was absolutely blown away when Des won the Boston Marathon in 2018 and there's brutal conditions out there. And then uh, this year, the the trials that you ran, Molly Seidel, she took second place and she never ran a marathon before in her life, yeah. you know, and uh, she's kind of a, goofy runner too because she, you know, has a tradition on Thanksgiving turkey trot to dress up as a turkey for all of her races and beats everybody. And she's had a eating disorder and she's had injuries, but she comes and do does that. But you are definitely up and coming in this this world of women runners. And it sucks that the the coronavirus stuff is going on because that puts a the brakes on what you're going through right now. But What was it like when you get to the starting line and you're there with the top of the current female runners in the world? And are you saying to yourself, how did this happen?
0: No, surprisingly. And I'm proud to say that I wasn't feeling that way. However, it was because I had the experience from New York from 2018. That was my feeling when I got to the starting line in New York. That because that was my first world major as a as an elite, and it was terrifying. Like being in the warm-up area um, and on the bus with Shelane and Des and you know, Molly Huddle and everybody that you idolize you idolize. I watched Shalane win the 2017 New York race on TV and I was blown away. And then the next year being in the same race as her was terrifying. And that was a moment I would have had such an imposter syndrome that that year. Cause I just thought, what am I doing here? And then when I was leading that race, it was terrifying because I was like, why am I leading this race? Like I don't belong here. I was looking around wondering if I had gotten lost on the course. Um, Cause it was just such a surreal experience. And so since I had that, I took that experience and then worked that whole entire rest of the next year leading up to trials, knowing that I belonged there and knowing that I was one of the top runners America right now. And I was ready to prove it at trials. So I'm so grateful I had the New York experience to get it out of the way.
2: Right. Cause right.
0: honestly, like that field was so massive at trials that I can only imagine that the first time runners being in that environment is so intimidating, but luckily I'd had so many of those experiences under my belt that I felt, yeah, I belong here and I'm ready to show it. Um, but I mean, it's still amazing. I look back and I'm like, did I really get to do that? Like that yeah. is just something so special that so many people don't get to experience. And so I just told myself that day I was like, relish every single second because this is a massive moment that I get to be a part
2: of. It's an amazing accomplishment. And I just give you so many kudos for what you've accomplished and how you've got to that point. Um, wh- what's it like now for you? Because with the coronavirus and everything going on, how is your training, how is your running change? Because right now, I don't know about you, but I, I was very involved in Maui. I was a co-race director of the Maui Marathon and uh, vice president of the Valley Isle Roadrunners and put on runs and a Wednesday night group run I would put on. But I got to believe that some of these fall races aren't going to happen this year. I and think so
0: too.
2: So what, 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 how are you working through this?
0: Yeah. So I mean, I've got my moments where it's such a bummer because I think down the line, gosh, like, what if we don't get to race this fall? You know, I'm hoping that maybe they'll let the elites race in some of these um, majors. But then I just think about, okay, well, my long term goal is four years down the line. So, like, I still just got to keep working every day towards that long term goal. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm not the only one going through this. So, what can I control? And so it's actually, kind of kind of been fun because we're starting to work on these pieces of the marathon that I wouldn't get to spend the time working on. So for example, right now I'm working on my mile, which is so fun because I always had this goal... My fastest mile, I think in high school and college was like a 5.30 or something. Yeah. I don't even think it was that fast. And so I've always had this goal to break five minutes in the mile. So that's what I'm working on right now. I'm going to run it next week. Um, and I'm working on using that as strategy for the marathon, you know, for surging and just being able to hold that fast mile mid marathon and then shift back. Um, so that's kind of our, my coach and I's next focus for like, the next month and then we'll probably start working on some other elements. So, I don't know, for me I'm kind of just thinking like I can't control any of this. So, but what can I can control? I can control still showing up every day and putting the work in. I can still control these fun goals and that's what my training is all about anyway, is just how can I make this fun no matter what and so that's kind of what my approach that I'm taking is I'm taking it kind of these small month chunks at a time and working on these extra pieces that I wouldn't normally get to work on and just seeing it as like an opportunity to fine tune and just keep, keep becoming a better athlete because each run and each workout, each of these different things are challenging me in different ways. And so I'm looking at it as like money in the mental bank that I'm getting right. to work on and getting to spend some extra time on. And at the end of the day, like I'm so grateful that we are able to still run. You know, like I have some friends that are in other elite sports and they can't they can't go to a pool and train. They can't be on the soccer field and train. And so I'm just looking at my situation and saying, well, we can go run, and I can still go out and put in all the work and still show up and still you know bust it out there because I still have running. And so I don't want to squander this opportunity to be able to do that. So um, yeah, and then I think too knowing that people are looking to some of us to keep bringing the joy and keep being able to find that silver lining and i truly believe that's part of my purpose is to still show people that we can still go get things done and we can still have fun with this and you know and that's what helps me every day too is knowing that i'm hopefully radiating this out to other people and showing them that we can still find that joy just despite all of this craziness
2: right Right. You know, um, and, and, uh, a suggestion for you, you should keep doing your blog. You only wow. have three things on there and they're so good. They're oh, really good. I like them. But what I noticed, um, and you really are honest in there that you worked through a lot of, you know, you were, you put a lot of pressure on yourself at that time. This, yeah. I think that was a year or two ago. You, you did those, the ones that you have up there. And, uh, you, you put pressure on yourself and you would go on the social media and you'd be freaked out because you'd see somebody and you would think that they're running faster than you and you didn't think you were as fast as them or whatever. And you seem to work through that. A lot of people get too caught up and either obsessed or too mentally caught up and they blow their races because they just beat themselves up before they even got to the start line. And so how did you work through all that? Because it's, it's pretty cool how you did it.
0: Thanks. Yeah. And it's still a work in progress. I mean, I'm still working on pieces of that right now. But for me, when I had stepped into this elite world, the first thing that I saw when I was on social media, and now that we have access to all the elites, I immediately went to, they're so much fitter. And they, their bodies look different than mine, I should probably make mine look like that. And then I'll be fast. And I had to learn especially through injury that that's not how it works and especially through underfueling that that's not how it works and i had to you know in that realm i had to work with my dietitian and come to the conclusion of do you want to look like an elite runner or do you want to perform like one and i had to take that hard step and realize that i needed to be fueling properly to then get faster and so that was an element and then i still honestly like it's still tough because it's still you do find yourself in comparison mode a lot and um For me, you know, it's so funny. I've been working on this a lot lately. And I just keep coming back to the analogy of all of us runners being like artists. And so I think if I think about it that way, that we're all our own unique artists, that we all have our own style, we all have our own picture to bring to the table. And people are going to appreciate different art differently, that it helps me really just step into my own quote unquote art and who I am. And I feel like I've really started to step into that over the last year, especially. And one of the ways that we did that. So you mentioned that I wasn't able to run the London marathon last year because of uh, an injury and which was such a great opportunity for my coach and I to reflect and look at what wasn't working. And obviously one of the big ones was I was putting so much pressure on myself to look and be like all the other, excuse me, all the other, runners. And I was taking it so seriously. And it was so intense all the time. And because I thought that that's what would make me be successful. But after not getting to run, I, you know, I missed running so much. And I was just like, this isn't how I want my career to go. This isn't what I want my piece of art to look like. I don't want to look back on this whole opportunity of my pro career and think, gosh, I wish I would have had more fun or used more color or whatever it is. And so I asked my coach, so she's a, she has an art background. So she's super like artistic and creative as well. And I said, can we do, could we do like weekly themes? And like you give me a theme and I'll creatively incorporate it throughout the week. And then I'll make a piece of artwork at the end of it. And she was like, yeah, let's do it. And so that's what we started to do last summer. And that has completely changed my training um, for the better. And I've gotten so much faster because each week is broken down. It's all about just focusing on this one week and I'm each run has its own fun purpose. And I'm able to pull different characters and channel different energies and then share that week's experience and chalk it up to just that last week. And it's just made a difference in my training so much is just having these weird, wacky themes and, just like running in costumes and, you know, channeling John Denver and Dolly Parton and Julia Child, you know, um, yeah. but that's been like a massive shift over the past
1: year.
2: Well, you also uh, mentioned in there that you were enjoying being a, a spectator too, as a, as opposed to a participant. And you got a, a very, it was very rewarding for you to cheer on the runners as they were going by.
0: Yeah, it that I was shocked when, so the, that morning of the London Marathon, we had to make the decision that day before that I wasn't going to run. It wasn't going to be a smart choice. So of course, I threw myself a pity party and was so bummed out, as you can imagine, you know, flying all the way over to London and having to make the decision that I wasn't going to run. And that morning I got up and we are our, our hotel faced part of the course. And I just laid there and I threw this pity party and I was like, I can't go watch this race, it's going to be too hard for me. I can't. And then it was not long. It, it, that was maybe like three minutes. And I was like, you know what? This sport supports you so much. Get your butt out of bed right? and cheer this on. And honestly, that was the best day ever because it gave me so much perspective for especially the elite race. I thought that when the slowest elite Runner would go by that, everyone would kind of give like a really sad clap for her and just be like, This poor, poor elite, slow runner. And that's not what happened at all. The like slowest elite runner, you're still looking at her thinking she's such a badass and she is so fast. I have nothing but respect for her. And I just, that was such a good perspective. And then just being able to put my cheers out onto just the regular runners and see that remember that each person in a marathon is on their own journey and what it took for them to get to where exactly where they are in their race and me being able to cheer them on and call them by name because they had their names on their bibs was just so rewarding. And that was just something that I realized, you know, I got to keep giving back to the sport because it supports me and I love those moments. So yeah, that was just such a great perspective shift.
2: You know, I, I, uh, a friend of mine, Bart Yasso, yeah, I'm sure you heard of Bart Yasso, yeah, everybody in the world has heard of Bart Yasso, yeah, mm-hmm. the running world at least. Yeah. And uh, he said, everybody has a story that gets them to the start line. And then from mm-hmm. there on, it, it is what it is. You know, you, you, you have your journey, your 26.2 mile journey. I, I will tell you that um, I, when I ran, it was hard for me to be a spectator, but the most rewarding thing for me now and it has been for several years, uh, since I flipped over to more organizing and doing other things, I still run, of course, but, um, is seeing somebody that could hardly even run a mile and you watch their progression and you see their self-confidence, you know, you see them, um, continually getting more Um, excited about their life. They get excited about running. They meet new people. It changes their lives. And at the Maui Marathon, I always, you know, there's so much work to put that thing on, but I always am at the finish line of the marathon. And it's actually just started a half 10k, 5k. And I just watch the people come across and I get friggin' emotional uh, when I see somebody come across and just collapse into their spouse's arms or the arms of a loved one or even just themselves. And you can see it in their face the moment that they realize that they just accomplished something. And it doesn't matter if you're an elite or a long time runner or you just started running. When you cross that finish line, if you choose to do a marathon. It is such an enriching experience and 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 that gives me so much joy these days. Watching Des, watch yeah. Des Linden in that yeah. marathon. I was in tears. Yeah. And especially since she, you know, she even stopped to help Shalane because yeah. Shalane had the upset stomach during that yeah. thing. I mean, these are things that just I I love. So I, I yeah, it's a great thing. Now, we're going to segue a little bit out of this because I wanted to get the running, get that minor little thing that you do out of the way. But I do want to tell you that I'm impressed that you uh won the heavy half at Leadville. Um, that's a great, I'm going to have links to these things in the show notes, but you got to listen to your story and, you know, the, the snappiness at the police officers and just how yeah. miserable you were and you called Ken Clover, Ken Chabadaba and... It's yeah, just, oh. I've been up there. I've never done Leadville, but I've paced a couple friends that have done Leadville in the last 13 miles. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. And by the way, the Dustpan Award—they do give one of those out um, at Georgetown Idaho Springs Half. Ah. Oh, they used to. I, th- I think they still do. You should do that when you'd win it. I'm sure yeah. you'd win it. Yeah, that
0: was my best trophy I ever got.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, isn't it great? I love those unique trophies like that. So let's, let's transition. You're, you know, not only do you do all this stuff with your running, but you're a running coach. You, you and a partner have a uh, running uh, training company, right?
0: Yeah, we do. So uh, my coach, Became my coach. I happened to meet her after the Colfax marathon at the banquet. Is
2: that Jenny?
0: That's Jenny. Okay. Coach Jenny. Okay. Um, and she just, we just got to chatting and sh- I started working with her shortly after that. And she's the one who just transformed my running in all capacities, of course, from the training perspective, but really from the confidence side and just the playfulness. Um, So she started Mercuria running, which is what the business is called. And we tell people it's like Freddie Mercuria. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so yeah, she started that. And then I worked with her just as my coach for the past couple of years. And then just about a year ago now, I joined her company and became a coach. And I took on the youth side of it, um, just as a one-on-one youth coach. And then now I've started to take on adults. So it's super fun because I've got my youngest kiddo that I coach is 10 and my oldest athlete is 56. So, and I've got just a, a gamut of runners and it's so fun because Jenny's whole philosophy is bringing the play to running. And exactly like you were just saying, every single runner has a story and we're just trying to help, help you on that journey. And so it's been so, so fun and so rewarding. And, you know, it's taught me so much about my own running, you know, as I'm practice or as, as I'm coaching these athletes on all different levels, I'm having to then reflect back on my training and make adjustments on my own training. Or the reason I, one of the reasons I wanted to start working on my mile was I'm coaching some of these middle school and high school girls on the mile. And I was like, I haven't actually raced a mile since my own high school and college days like I don't know if this is even correct on what I'm coaching and so I'm taking that on as like another approach of this is helping me become a better coach and in turn so I'm um, running with some of these athletes I've got a middle school girl who we're working on her mile and she's actually pushing me in my 400 workouts like so it's just really fun how this dynamic of coaching and being an athlete all ties together, but man, it's rewarding.
2: It's got to be. And that comes back to the point of, you know, seeing people doing things that they never thought they'd be able to do, accomplishing what they never thought, but your guidance is helping them along and they'll never, ever, ever forget that.
1: And and it probably
2: will help them through life too, you know, because running is a mental game and, you know, us runners, it, it helps us in other areas of our lives to get through things.
0: Absolutely. How's yeah. that
2: affecting uh, now that the, with the coronavirus, are you doing more virtual stuff now?
0: We're doing more virtual and we do a lot of online coaching. So I've got a lot of athletes all across the country that I coach just online as it is. And so we're doing on, we're doing virtual um, virtual sessions in terms of form. We're doing um, online coaching And we're just adjusting, you know, as races are getting canceled, we're just adjusting and still same thing as what I was doing with my approach is still working on these goals. I mean, we want to make sure also that as people are out running, because that's pretty much all we can do right now, that people are staying healthy with their running and they're not getting injured. And that's kind of our biggest focus right now is like, let's let us help you with, with your running and working on these small personal goals, but keeping you healthy along the way and making sure that you're not injured when races are able to come back.
2: Right. We're very lucky too with our sport that we can get out there and we can maintain our miles. We don't have to go out, you know, if we're right now, there's nothing to look forward to. So it's basically just enjoyment running and maybe doing a little bit of speed or hill work if you fit it in, but maintaining your running until we find out what's going to go on with all this.
0: Yeah. And I think like coming back to taking the pressure off also, like a lot of my runners are coming back to the basics of running of why do you love running? Right. You know, we love it. Yeah. Because we get to race, but not really, that's not what gets us out there every day. It's because of the actual act of it. And it is for me, like I said earlier, it's that moving meditation. So it's just, for me, it's essential just for my mental health also.
2: Exactly. Well, you know, um, I need a uh, flow chart, a PowerPoint presentation of all the places that you have lived, because um, every time I went into something, you were in another location. I think you said you were in New Zealand and other places, along with places here in Colorado. You've been in Chicago. You lived in Chicago. So I, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a puzzle to me. Puzzle.
0: Me too. You and my mom, my mom <laughs> says that she keeps my address on a post-it note. Yeah, I'm always per, moving.
2: <laughs> pretty, pretty much. But, um, so when you were in Sydney, Australia, this is, this is where the acting comedy thing, uh, hit you. You had a gut feeling. Tell me about that. Cause we're, 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 I think this is the third point of the hexagon.
0: Um, yeah. So I was living in New Zealand for a while and then moved over to Sydney And, um, I didn't really know anybody over there was working a lot and I wanted to get to know people and I kind of didn't want to get in. Like, I didn't want to join running for whatever reason. I just was kind of like looking for something else. And I had that itch in the back of my mind that I always wanted to try acting. And so I joined a, um, a local theater and started taking acting classes and just loved it. It was just kind of, I remember walking into the studio that first day. And I, I didn't perform that day. I just watched the other actors. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, I love this. And so I just started to take acting classes there, which was hilarious because we were doing... Um, there was a section of the class that we were doing. We were re- we were working on scripts from American sitcoms. Okay. So it was so funny because all the Aussies were doing Friends. With their Australian accents, and then like they, it's so funny. Like they're the way that they would recite the script. Just the comedic timing didn't quite land because it was an American piece. And then I would come in and like just crush it with my American accent, and like could explain these nuances of Friends and Everybody Loves Raymond and stuff. And so I just kept bringing humor to all the work I was doing. And then shortly after, I would I decided I was going to move back to the states and. I decided I was going to go to Chicago because I knew that second city was there and it was kind of a comedy Mecca of the States. And oh, so yeah. I just thought, well, I'll just go there. And like, I had an actual job, but I was like, I'll go study at second city in the meantime. Um, so that's what I did. I uh, graduated from second City's writing program and then I was taking improv at other theaters. Then of course, as my puzzle piece of where I lived continues, I moved back to Denver and started to get into the improv scene here um, so I've been doing that for a few years now, and um, it's kind of waned. Like I've kind of let comedy and acting kind of take a backseat. It's not really where my heart is at the moment. Um, but I feel like I'm bringing comedy and humor to all these other aspects of life right now.
2: Well, did you do stand up too, or was it basically more improv improvisation?
0: Yeah, improv and sketch comedy. So I've never done stand up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, Second City, that's uh, some pretty big names have come out of there. Tina Fey, Bill Murray, Amy Poehler, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd. I mean, you, just being in that place, it's almost like being at the start line of the t- t- trials, the Olympic trials. Just, totally. the, you know, what, what, what has gone on in there. And you've had some uh, success out here. You did some commercials. You did an Otter Box commercial with uh, Peyton Manning.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> How'd that happen?
0: So I was, so I worked for Otterbox and my husband actually still works for Otterbox. And, uh, after I quit to pursue running and comedy, I was, they were sponsoring me. Can I ask you running. first,
2: Before I don't want to interrupt you. I'm sorry for interrupting you, but I seen this throughout some of your stuff. Jasmine. Is yeah, that, I
0: call him the husband.
2: So his name is Justin. He's your husband, and so you have that. Okay, I just wanted to clarify that that was correct. Okay, yeah. keep going.
0: So I call him perpetually, he's known as the husband. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so then I that opportunity came up. I can't remember. This is gosh, a few years ago that um, Peyton was working with Otterbox, and then Otterbox had sponsored me for running right after I quit. And yeah, we ended up Peyton and I ended up doing a commercial piece together. I think it was an internal thing for otter but it was so fun he's enormous i was standing on a box and in high heels and i think i barely came up to his sternum
2: uh well yeah he is you never know you realize how big these football players are and what is he about six four six five something like okay. that yeah. easily and then um can you tell me how <laughs> i i watched it about three times because i just cracked up how diane washing machine came about
0: yeah <laughs> I forgot about her. She's one of my favorite characters. Uh, So my brother, (laughs) he was turning 40. And so I did this video for him. I had gotten everybody's, all of our family's emails. And I had done this happy birthday video. And this character named Diane Washing Machine came out. And she's a smoker and she doesn't have time for things and everything bothers her. And um, so Diane was born and I have no idea. But she's one of my favorite characters that I created. I forgot about her.
2: There's, there's going to be a link uh, in the show notes to that little clip. And I think you do a dance to Bruno Mars, uh, oh, one of his songs.
0: Oh, geez. Yeah, I forgot about
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. It's still floating out there. So, oh, you know, maybe great. it'll get some uh, get some mileage again. She'll come back to life. You'll have oh, to wait,
0: I should bring Diane back.
2: You should run a race as Diane.
0: Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> like yeah, a 5K geez. or something. Just go out Jeez. there as Diane.
0: Every like every half mile, she'd light up a
2: new cigarette. Exactly. So um, (laughs) you were at Second City and you were watching uh, an improv show, a soul soul improv show, one woman show, and Mm -hmm. you got inspired to do your own show and you wrote and and actually put it on. And of course, it loops back into running. Tell me about that.
0: Yeah, I had done a, a workshop Um, At Second City, that was all about a one woman show. And I didn't think that you could do a one person show that would not stand up. So it's all scripted. But it's more storytelling than it is just kind of joke telling. And I had no idea that that type of show existed. And so I immediately I took the workshop on a weekend. And I think I wrote most of the show within a week, I was just couldn't get it out fast enough. And I it's all about my running and just kind of my journey. I don't I haven't performed it since 2018. But it was all about my journey from when I quote unquote, met running. So the show is called my long distance relationship with running from the early miles to the Olympic trials. And so it was my relationship with running from the time that we met when I was in eighth grade, and then up until I had qualified for trials at LA. And, um, I running was personified by a pink treadmill and the jasmine was the voice of running. And, um, yeah, it was just my own one, one woman show that I did. Uh, I did it here in Denver six for six nights and then I took it to back to second city that fall. Oh, it did um, go to Chicago. Cause
2: I saw you were going to go to Chicago, but I didn't see any trail of that afterwards.
0: Yep. Yep. So I took it that fall. It was during the Chicago, the weekend of the Chicago marathon, in 2018, I didn't run the marathon, but I was out there performing that weekend as well.
2: Oh wow, that's so cool! Uh, And you don't know if you're going to bring it back or not, because I'd love to see it.
0: I know. I don't know if I will. I've gotten a lot of questions about it, and it just—it kind of feels like a different phase of life for me. Like it kind of just feels like that was that was then, and it was just kind of that was me then. Um, But it's not to say that I've thought about maybe doing a spin-off of it or maybe just a whole new show. Um, but of course, everything right now is kind of up in the air anyway with live performances. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, and I kind of, I've kind of lost some momentum a little bit in, in terms of comedy and performing just in general. Um, I think just because training had gotten so intense, and that, but that's kind of where my focus has shifted. And then I've done a lot more visual art um, since then. And I just kind of find that's where my where my zone is right now, but, you know, that all ebbs and flows. So who knows, maybe down the line, I'll have another, another rendition of the show.
2: You know, I'm picking up, um, what I'm picking up here is, is that the, you're running and what you want to accomplish and especially in four years making the Olympic team, is your number one goal and priority. So the stuff that might have been important or fun to you before is not as much as this goal because you have to put so much time into it. And I think that's what I'm picking up here with this.
0: You nailed it. You nailed it. Yeah. And I think I hadn't let myself realize that. And I think when I, you know, when I quit my job to become the funny runner and pursue these, I didn't know what that path would look like. And I truly thought like, yeah, I could totally do both. And it's you know if I if I'm looking and really wanted to pursue comedy and acting that's a full time thing just as much as training and you know I've got four years at least that I can dedicate wholeheartedly to this and that's where my just fire is right now and you know it's it's so funny too because I've lately been thinking to myself well I need to keep performing because I told the world that I'm the funny runner and that I do comedy and all of this and then I finally had to realize that. I'm the funny runner because I'm just funny and I bring comedy to everything I do. And my personality is, is plenty funny. And so I've kind of let myself give my, given myself permission to kind of let that piece of me go a little bit. And it's still a part of who I am and it's still my background, but letting go of the pressure of needing to perform and show everyone that like, see, I told you I was the funny runner. I'm totally doing it. Um, When you're exactly right. My priorities are my big life goal. Which is making the team in four years, so that's where I really just gotta put my put my focus and my priorities. i th-
2: I think that's exactly where they should be because you have a gift and you need to you need to uh, excel in that gift and use it as best you can while you can. You. Um, so I, I commend you on having that focus there. But, you know, still wrapped in the running, you have this uh, little game that you play. It's called picking up dirty pennies or change. And yeah. tell, me, tell me how that all came about. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that do weird things with running. I mean, I don't think this is a weird thing. I remember meeting a guy in Arizona that um, he was a long distance runner. I met him at a marathon somewhere and he his claim to fame was making money. He find dollars and change on the ground and he made a ton of money doing that. You yeah. didn't, but you'd find change. But tell me how that came about. Cause you, you're so fast. I mean, I'm a slow runner, so I can see the ground and what's going on when I go by, but you're so fast. How do you spot a penny or a nickel or whatever?
0: My like, yes, I have a gift in running, but honestly, I'm so proud of my gift of change finding. <laughs> um, so, and truly I do feel like I've got this special gift. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, ever since I was little, I always liked finding pennies, I think because no one ever wanted them. And I loved finding pennies. They just brought me joy for no other reason. And so I kind of just kept it going. And now it's my goal every run that I'm constantly, I call it street sweeping. And so basically I'm just scanning the ground for change. And it, like when I find a coin, it just brings me so much joy. It's just this tiny little thing that doesn't seem to have any value at that moment, but it's just for me. I'm like, all right, a penny. And so, um, yeah, I find change on all my runs. And then, um, I, lately because of COVID, I've started to find Corona caps. (laughs)
2: Corona. Oh boy.
0: (laughs) So I've been picking up. Yeah. This has gotten even grosser. (laughs) I'm finding and picking up change and Corona caps, which now I'm making art out of both of them. Um, but yeah, for me, so the pennies, for a while, I was just like finding pennies and it just was bringing the joy. But after a while, I started to realize that they're my little sources of, I call them my pennies from heaven because they, to me are my affirmations that I'm on the right path. And that, you know, all those little things add up. And when it's just like running with that one mile, you're like, this isn't going to mean anything. And then you look back on your whole week and you've run 50 miles and it was just because you ran that one mile that one time. And next thing you know, my penny jar is full because I picked up that one penny that one day. Right. Um, right. And it's just the visual representation of just those little tiny things add up, and as long as they bring you joy, then that's all that matters.
2: Um, I, you know, I think uh, I want to drill just a little bit deeper in this because you don't just pick up change and throw it into a jar. You have a set of rules, and your dad got you a penny book. There's there's a, a method to your madness with the pennies. Yeah. Um. And so tell tell me how that is because I think it's pretty awesome.
0: Thanks. Yeah. So in 2018, I. Had this penny book, you know, those like collector penny books that you find all these collector pennies. So I my dad got me a penny book at the beginning of that year. And so every run that I ran that year, I would put a penny from my run into the book and I would date it, and then I would write something like a mantra or a quote or something about that run and how much I found that day in total. And so that whole year. I didn't count at all. And I was so excited because I was like, man, this is going to be the mother load. And I'm going to show everybody that I can make so much money from pennies. The people that think that pennies don't add up, I'm going to show them how much money I made. So I waited until the whole year and I added it up and it was $17 and like 13 cents that year. And I was so deflated because I was like, I, I swear I found like $300 worth. And so then last year, I was like, all right, I'm gonna show everyone that how many hundreds of pennies I find. So I started to keep a tally of pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters, and all my other change that I find. And I tally each one. And I'm doing it again this year. I will come home and I'll, um, if I found six pennies that day, I'll like put six tallies on my page. I have it framed above my, um, penny jar, um, just to show that like, I find, I think last year I found something like 700 pennies or something like that, which I feel like sounds a little bit more impressive.
2: Well, that is impressive. Um, and I, I like what you said and there's, you do a little YouTube video on this. So I'm going to link that to the show notes too, but I, I found this pretty fascinating in 2017, Right before the Kansas City Marathon, you took your pennies and you counted them and you had 262 pennies, which is 26.2 miles for the marathon.
0: Yeah, it was insane. It was just kind of a crazy, like, coincidence. And then the next year, it was the last day of my show in Denver. It was my, um, I had wrapped the show and it, the show had sold out and we had even sold extra seats and like crammed people into the theater. And then right after that, I had gone for a run and that run, I found 72 cents and I had sold 72 tickets that show So it's, I like always have these very strange, small coincidences that happen. And again, those are my signs that I'm on the right path and you know, things are aligning as they're supposed to.
2: It's amazing. And, and after I saw this, cause I, I... Started researching you a couple uh, a couple weeks ago. Where I run, when I just want to go out and do a run, there's a park here. It's on Runway 35, in the Stapleton Northfield area. Okay. And and I think people when they get out of their cars or whatever, sometimes a change falls out of their pocket. So I found about sixty cents so far, just right on ah. the edge by the curb. So now I've I've starting to collect a little bit of money too. <laughs>
0: You're on the right path.
2: I'm on the right path. So before we close this out, I just got two other things. Um, The first thing is, can you tell me about there is a pool party on Saturday?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm surprised that she didn't run over at the calling of her name. So there's a pool party on Saturday is uh, our cat. And we also so we got her when we first moved back to Denver together, the husband and I. And we thought it would be funny to name our cat a sentence. So we named her There's a Pool Party on Saturday. And we got her a Barbie pool that she eats out of. And I think she loves it. And so after a while, we were like, well, she was really bored. And so we needed to get her a friend. And so we got her... We got another cat. And everyone was like, what are you going to name this one? Like, there's, yoga, there's a yoga <laughs> session on Friday. <laughs> and we were like, nope, we're going to name this one Snacks. Because you can't have a pool party on Saturday without snacks.
2: Without snacks.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And people are always like, what do you call her for short? And we don't. Like, she's like, there's a pool party on Saturdays. And it's amazing how quickly... You get used to saying that, like, in the morning, like, there's a pool party on Saturday. Come here. And there's a pool party on Saturday.
2: Oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> first that's amazing. That is
1: crazy.
0: Uh, yeah, so we, uh, we, yeah, we've got some crazy cats.
2: I, I guess. Uh, that's I've, I don't think I've ever heard a name of an animal like that, that long. That's almost more, more of a saying than an actual name. Yeah. So um, finally, and this is the last part of this uh, hexagon or whatever the heck I called it in the beginning, the six points. Um, On September 2nd of 2017, you went to Belize and had a little event going on called I Got Married. Um, But what I think it's really cool, and there's going to be a link to this is the video that you put on about the Charbonneau-Belize wedding. Your, Your husband, first of all, is talented. He plays the guitar. Yep. We both wrote a song and sang it and put this montage of pictures and all that and even had subtitles underneath it. It was very touching. That really touched me. I thought it was so awesome. And it looks like it was probably a most amazing, wonderful day.
0: Man, it was the world's best day, honestly, but you know, it was crazy. So that was the year that, uh, hurricane Harvey happened. Right. Everybody. So we had 75 people come to our wedding and everyone was routed through Houston. All the flights got canceled through Houston because it was underwater. And right. so every, like the day before everyone was supposed to fly out, we had to rearrange and get everyone routed through Fort Lauderdale, but it all worked out and everyone made it. And we were able to reroute and we all got down to Belize, had the wedding and it was epic and yeah, it was just so fun because we just had, it was just like a weekend long, just party of our friends and family. And, um, the husband and I sang a Disney song at our, um, reception. <laughs> um, it was just so us and it was just so fun. Um, yeah, it was just such a great day.
2: You do have a little fascination with Disney. I noticed that you've run a couple of the Disney races and, uh, you have some references to Disney and some of the stuff that I looked at.
0: Yeah. My philosophy is you're never too old to love and listen to Disney songs or Disney movies. And now that Disney plus is out that is jam, like, yeah. And I think just cause it just brings me joy and it's just playful. And it also, I love Disney too, because there's just such great messaging about dreaming big and going for it. And I, and I'm like, I don't care that it is Disney fight. And, you know, maybe for some people it's, that's not real, but for me it is. Cause I'm living it. And so I think that's why I just love it so much. And plus getting to dress like the characters just brings me joy
2: well your personality matches that i I would say that uh you're you bring people uh a lot of joy just with your thank personality you. and you know you know being a funny runner you don't have to be a performer you can just be yourself it's really cool
0: thank you so I, much.
2: I I cannot tell you how much I appreciated the opportunity to speak with you today and um learn a little bit about you and uh just uh you know, just enjoy your accomplishments and what you're going to accomplish. And I just wish you the most success out there. And uh since I live in Denver, maybe uh at some point I'll get a chance to to actually meet you in person. We'll and have say to go for a run together. No, well, you're you're looking at the wrong person. You said I think you said something in there that uh, you know, as you get older you get faster. I have to dispute that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, here's what we'll do. We'll go for a run and okay. we'll just it uh, a street sweeping day and we'll just see how much change we can Okay.
2: Find. Well, that would be, I, I'll take you up on that. That, that'll work right. for me, but it's been a pleasure. And I thank you so much for coming on.
0: Likewise. And thank you so much for having me and just your questions. And I just appreciate the opportunity to be out. And again, just continue sharing my, sharing my story and my message. And I just hope that everyone is out finding their own joy, especially during this crazy time that we're
2: on. Yeah. And can I ask you one more thing? If you, somebody out there who's, you know, just a, yeah, a normal runner or wants to get into running or whatever, what advice would you give them?
0: Go play, go play. Like, I think so often we forget how much fun it is to be a rookie. You know, I think that that's kind of like, you just, that's such a fun time just looking back and not knowing what you're doing. And it's Okay. And, you know, I think don't be afraid of what you look like. Don't be afraid of where you're going. Don't be afraid of those things. Just go, go be patient with yourself and just go enjoy running for what it is. And I promise it just keeps getting better.
2: Perfect. I think it's a, those are good words. All awesome. right. Th- thank you, Brittany.
0: Well, thanks, Jim.
2: Wow. Brittany Charbonneau. What a woman. Keep your eye on her. When the running world comes back to some sort of normalcy and major races resume, you're going to hear a lot about her. She is definitely on her way to be a top recognized USA woman runner. And how great it is that she gives back to running by coaching youth with her fun personality, her focus and drive, the kiddos she's coaching, well, they're not only going to be excited to run, but they will also get some good, positive direction for their future. In the show notes, you can find several links on Brittany. Now, she just recently updated her website, thefunnyrunner.com, so go check that out. And if you remember during our discussion, she recognizes her husband, Justin, as Jusbin. Well, he's got a new business. It's called Sugar Tats Cookie Company. Mmm, that sounds delicious. These are awesome custom cookies that you can order actually now. And Brittany has her own design. They're called Rookie Cookies. And she openly admits she's better at running than she is at decorating cookies. You can find a link to Sugar Tats Cookie Company at Brittany's website, thefunnyrunner.com. Well, now that she's added cookie decorating to her skills, she goes from the hexagon woman to the heptagon woman. Now, that's seven sides, seven points of focus or skills that define Brittany's life. And I got to believe somewhere, someplace, Diane Washing Machine must be very proud of Brittany. Oh, yeah, and just so you know, since our conversation, I have found $1.32 in change while running. Curbs seem to be the good change catcher. Well, hate to admit it, but uh, I think this is my new side hustle. All right, remember, you can get the show notes at feelgoodrunning.com for more information on Brittany. And you know what? I really hope she remembers us when she becomes a famous running superstar.
1: Here is a running quote to keep you inspired and feeling good.
2: It is always a pleasure to end the episode with an inspirational and motivating quote. You know, it is very apparent that Brittany is laser focused on her running and what she wants to accomplish in four years qualifying for the 2024 Summer Olympics in Paris. So I found this quote from another elite runner who happens to be the 2018 Boston Marathon Women's Winner, Des Linden. And the quote goes like this. Every day, I make the choice to show up and see what I've got and try to be better. One more time. Every day, I make the choice to show up and see what I've got and try to be better. You know, part of my saying when I end each episode is just show up. Well, even during these unprecedented times, just keep showing up. Keep trying to get better. Keep running. And as I think about it, it not only applies to running, but in life. So that is it for this episode. I would like to again thank my guest, Brittany Charbonneau, for coming on. Now, don't forget to go to feelgoodrunning.com and check out the show notes for more links, more information, and even a link to find out what Diane Washing Machine is all about. And while you are there, sign up for my newsletter and get your free gift, 101 plus running related links, all at your fingertips. Well, thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. And please share this episode with all your running friends and on your social media outlets. It really does help the show to grow. Don't you know? So, as I always say, just show up and always, always feel good about your running.
1: That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Please consider sharing this podcast with your running friends and spread the feel good running vibe around you. Head over to feelgoodrunning.com to access all the links and resources mentioned on the show. Until next time, keep motivated. Keep focused and keep on running. It is sure to make you, well, feel good.